everything in my business and everything in my life. It's not about me just looking good. It's about how can I possibly help someone else? I was born with several palsy. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host. Today we're talking about writing your book. Now listen, I'm going to be completely real with you. I do not like to write. I despise writing. You tell me to write down my address, I struggle. I don't like to write, y'all. So school was really fun for me because for some reason they want you to write papers that are 500 pages long and I'm always like, why God, just ask me the question and I'll tell you the answer. Why do I have to write it down? But even I cannot deny that there is a lot of power in written word. I love to read books and writing a book is an incredible way to set you apart and build your authority. We have the best person to talk to us about this today, Laura Peterson. She is a tall math and psychology teacher turned entrepreneur Amazon international bestseller, international speaker, podcaster, and she says super nerd. I really, really love her energy and immediately connected with her when I heard that she had a psychology background because that is what my master's is in and I love, love psychology. So this is such a fun conversation. And Laura shares with us tips on self-publishing, tips on writing, and even for those of us, us, me, who do not like to write, she has some really cool ideas of ways that we can still get a book out there. Now, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, please look down at your phone, hit that subscribe button. We are also on YouTube, so make sure you go into YouTube, type in Heather Parody or Unconventional Leaders Podcast, and you can watch these interviews live. Yeah. So I was a big nerd in school. I just, my parents told me the the way to be successful is to get good grades, go to the best college you can, and then work your way up the ladder or get a PhD or something. I was like, okay, I can do that. And so I did and actually started undergrad as an English major. I went to UCLA in LA. I grew up in Orange County, live in San Diego now. I went to school in LA, but I have lived in other places too, besides California. But, uh, I started as an English major and they kind of sucked the fun out of it pretty fast. They were like, write a giant essay and read a giant book every week. And it was just so fast and frenetic that I was kind of like, oh, I'm not enjoying this as much. And I kept taking psychology classes and I just fell in love with it. And I was like, this is so applicable to everything in our life. Everyone should be required to learn this stuff. Totally. Totally. So what was your, um, you didn't, wasn't you were were 30, you got into doing what you're doing right now. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, my major was psych. I studied abroad in Germany for a year and that was life altering because I grew up in California and I was like, that's the only place I ever think I would want to live. And then I lived in Germany. I was like, I want to go to every country on the planet. I love this. I want to backpack everywhere. And I also had more free time in Germany because they don't do the same grading system as in the US. So they have just like a big test every two years and they don't care about grades for individual courses. So 
yeah, it was amazing. So I actually had to go to my professor and have an exception made. I was like, I need a grade. What should I do? And wow. the professors were like, oh, well, you want to just write a paper? And I was like, one, one paper for the whole year? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then they were like, I was like, does that be in German or English? They're like, well, you feel comfortable writing it in German? I'm like, well, it'd be better in English. They're like, okay. So one English paper an entire year was like the easiest thing I'd ever encountered in my entire life being like a big nerd. So I had all this free time. So I competed on the trampoline team. I backpacked all over Europe. I did a painting class. I learned to dance salsa. I just had all these unique experiences that showed me there's more to life than just academia. <laughs> so when I got back, that was already really weighing on my mind. And then my dad gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that completely changed my yeah. perspective around money and what's investing and what about real estate and all these things. So at age 21, I was kind of derailed off that academic path yeah. and ended up moving out to Arizona because it's cheaper to buy houses. And I took courses and tried to figure out how to start businesses and I couldn't figure it out. And this was in, so I'm, now I'm like 37 as we're recording this. So this is still like in mid 2000s. So like the internet wasn't mm -hmm. as it is now. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't figure it out. So I just ran back to what I knew and I became a teacher. So I did a master's in education and I taught high school math and psychology and I adored it. I also backpacked like crazy every summer break, every single break that we had. And when I was about 30, like you said, I had been teaching for about five years. I was like, I feel like I've mastered this craft and there's more. I still want to be an entrepreneur. I want to figure this out. And that's when I took the leap. What's the leap mean? What did that look like? So the first business that actually worked is a tutoring and test prep company because I tried a lot of things that didn't work. And I have since then too. <laughs> I should make a list one day. I should just like brainstorm every single thing that I've tried. And like, it'd be so funny to have it on. Even my husband kind of laughs sometimes because he's like, remember when you did that thing? I was like, stop. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I had a business partner and he actually had started a tutoring company when he was in high school. So he was like a really young entrepreneur. And uh, he was in college at the time, just about to graduate. And he was like, yeah, I want to start it up again. And I had this background from education. So as a team, he was way better at sales and marketing. And I was really good at HR and curriculum development and that kind of thing. So as a team, we kind of were a good pair in that way. And it's kind of funny, one lesson learned from that, because I'm not involved in that anymore. My heart fell out of it after a couple of years and like pushing the test prep and the college track, because I just yeah. don't believe that as the recipe for everyone anymore. And I got more into digital marketing. But one thing that I learned from that business is we really ended up staying afloat and paying the bills because our blog was so keyword optimized mm. for local search that we were getting a lot of clients just from the quality of the content in our blog and showing up really high in search results for local searches for tutoring. So that was kind of an interesting lesson in the power of digital marketing. Is that where your passion for writing copy really came in? Was there that? Yeah. And it's funny because early on in that business, I would actually correct my business partner's writing. I would take contractions out and I would be like, this is an academic, we're like an <laughs> academic tutoring service. We need to have like the best writing. And then I, uh, slowly I realized, wait a second, no one wants to read like an encyclopedia, just write like you speak. So I actually had a lot of mm -hmm. unlearning to do. And uh, had to learn how to break all those rules I had learned in the past to make it more compelling. <laughs> uh, 
I want to dig into your services and just tips you have on publishing books and writing yeah. copy and all of that stuff. That stuff is so foreign to me. It's like everything you're going to say, I'm going to be like, oh. but before that, I just want to, you know, we talk a lot about unconventional paths in this show. Yeah. And I know for me personally, and I want you to tell your experience, it may be completely different, kind of letting go of my identity around my career where I was going to be a therapist and yeah. kind of stepping away from that and the bridge between that and creating something that actually did work. There's a kind of a gap there of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, was this the mature decision? Am I an idiot? Like there's, yeah. I experienced that. What was your transition like? going from established teacher and you have something going on and you're kind of more academic to taking a leap into something you don't know is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question. And it's it's funny because because I was such a big nerd in school, all of my besties are lawyers and doctors and you know, other professions, but they're making tons of money, you know, even if they're like a, a great salesperson, but they've climbed up this company ladder and I'm like barely making enough to scrape by and just like because, you know, it's lean when you're first starting as an entrepreneur. And all, actually, in all honesty, for many years in my beginning of being an entrepreneur, one, I had squirreled away a lot of savings as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so I lived off that when, I, when we were putting everything we made back in the business and weren't making enough to actually pay ourselves, which was a long time. And then also I taught online psychology part-time just to pay some extra basic yeah. bills too. So... But looking at that and feeling like I have, I believe that it's kind of like more risk, more reward. So even though my best friend is a lawyer, maybe she's like making 8,000 or 100,000 or whatever a year, that's amazing, but she's going to kind of tap out at a certain level because it kind of hits a ceiling. Whereas I might struggle financially for a while, but once I really figure it out, boom, I can hit kind of like a hockey stick growth and it's really unlimited potentially depending on what I do with it. So it's definitely in a way it's hard to kind of look around and be like, by the measure of money, I'm the least successful of all my friends. Right. But ultimately for me, I don't think that money is the only measurement of success or happiness. And, and so that I kind of kept in my mind, like that that's just one one criteria that we can look at and I have a bigger vision. So I'm just going to focus on that instead of the What money. is your bigger vision? What do you want to create in the world? Yeah. You know, personally, selfishly, my vision is freedom of choice. I love being a digital nomad. My husband and I are headquartered in San Diego now, but we lived in Germany and in Europe for a year, a couple of years ago. I can just pick up and fly anywhere around the country and around the world to go at a speaking event or a, a mastermind retreat or anything. And so like those, just that ability to spend my time how I want with whom I want, where in the world I want is my number, has always been my number one goal. Mm. And so to me, that's like my own personal measurement of success. Can I keep on doing that? Then I'm happy and the amount of money doesn't matter to me. Uh, Outside of myself, I'm very, very passionate about helping other people to step outside of their comfort zone because I feel like I've played really small for a really long time. Mm. And you might not think that to meet me now or whatever, but you know, we're all going through our own journeys and specifically around public speaking, I hid for years. Really? Oh yeah. 
literally in 2018 is when I finally was like, okay, I'm changing that story in my mind and I'm changing that story in my business and I'm going to just step all the way into it and go for it. And I actually really love it now. And that is something that for 36 years I would have sworn was never possible. I used to get nervous for other speakers on the stage. I was not going up on stage and I was like, wow, I'm so glad I'm not them. I'm so nervous for them. Like that's how terrified I was. I would have never guessed that about you because you're the worst and you're so confident. I would have never picked that up. Yeah. And honestly, like a lot of things have led up to making me feel comfortable that one of which is starting my own podcast and being interviewed on other shows is having my own podcast helped me practice in a really safe environment. I did not do any video at first. Mm -hmm. So I could be just like, horrible hair in my pajamas. It didn't matter the background. And I could have my script to like questions in front of me before I ask people questions. And then of course I could edit stuff. So if I mess something up, I could edit it out before it ever went live. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like such a great safe practice. And then as I got better with my own show and asking questions and I felt more comfortable going on other people's shows and even actually before other people's shows, I used to like craft out like bullet points of talking points to say because I my mind would go blank and I wouldn't know what to say. Mm. And then eventually you just do enough and you're like, oh, I've got this. And now I don't really prepare at all other than I do like to listen to the person shown in advance so I get a flavor of who their audience is and what kind of you know style that they are. But having a podcast, being on other podcasts, doing Facebook lives and things like that has helped me so much kind of prep the little mini skills yeah. to then be ready to speak on stage also. That's so good. You said something that really triggered something in me. You said playing small. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us can identify with that. How did you come to terms with, okay, I'm playing small and then also shift into, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. And that actually ties in. That's a great question. It ties into my vision too. It's that specifically around speaking is for me, writing was never a scary thing because my background is academic. I studied English for a while. Like, I don't know, for me, somehow writing was not a scary box, but speaking was. And so the reframe that I had around speaking literally within the past 12 to 18 months is very pivotal also in, in kind of helping me fully step into the vision that I have around helping others. And that is with speaking, I was so afraid what everyone else was going to think, specifically like the other influencers or gurus or speakers or event organizers at the event, like, oh my gosh, who is this girl? Mm -hmm. She is not making X millions of dollars like we are, or like she doesn't have a big enough audience. Why is she there? What a fraud. Like I was so afraid of what other people like that would think instead of focusing on the point of my speaking isn't to impress the other speakers. The point of my speaking is to help someone or as many people as I can, but at least someone in the audience. And so when I reframed that around speaking, it helped me realize that everything in my business and everything in my life, it's not about me just looking good. It's about how can I possibly help someone else in just the right way that they need at just the right time because of my personality or because of my gender or because of my life experiences or my height or my whatever. Yeah. That's far more important. So I think I finally stepped out of playing small by realizing it's not serving anybody to just like play small and try to be perfect all the time. And like you play small by trying to chase perfection, which isn't possible anyway. So you just kind of stay quiet and in a little box. And I just realized, stop taking yourself so seriously. Just put stuff out there and the right stuff's going to resonate with the right people. And everyone else, if they're a hater, they can just keep on going because who cares? It doesn't matter. 
Girl, that whole segment right there is just something I need to listen to over and over again. That is so, so, so good. Now, talk to me about kind of transitioning into the work that you do now yeah. with publishing books. I bet that it's so hard for people to put their work out there into the world. And then to yeah. such a risk of like, is this work going to be accepted or not? Is this going to do well or not? Because this work, whether it is a book or a podcast, whatever the creative venture is, it's your soul (laughs) that you're putting out there. So I bet there's a lot of self-doubt you deal with, with your clients and all of that. Tell me a little bit about what you do exactly in in the book world and the copywriting. Yeah. So to back up a little bit from my tutoring company, how I kind of transitioned out of that was I started just to say yes to miscellaneous things. So I did copywriting for people. I did ghostwriting so people would pay me to write for them. Or I did social media marketing, management and creation stuff on the back end. So I wasn't getting the clients, but like a media agency was, and I was just doing the delivery on the back end. And I just got more into digital marketing and fell in love with it. And then a good friend of mine is the host of a podcast for a big marketing association, but he has a full-time job too. So he's not an entrepreneur. So he was like, I'm really busy. Can I pay you a little bit? You help me out with the content production around the podcast. And I was like, oh, okay. So he did all the audio editing and then I would do the show notes and ghostwrite a blog article under his name around like similar content, but a different angle. And I would do tweets and social media and all this kind of thing. And after a little while, we were like, wait a second, what we're doing together for this show is a business. So we actually started taking on clients just completely word of mouth doing podcast production for people. And so that's how I really transitioned fully, I would say out of the tutoring was into podcast production. And I started my own show copy that pops in April of 2016 because I was already helping clients do it. And I was like, I need to know this from like the beginning for myself too. And I was like, it's such a powerful medium. I just love podcasts. So let me jump into it. And then at the end of 2016 is right when my husband and I moved back from Germany and we were living, we came back to San Diego and my partner in the podcast production company was getting so busy with his full-time job that he was kind of like falling out of it. And I was frustrated that we weren't growing as fast as I wanted. And like, I would go to conferences and no one knew who I was. And I was like, I want to at least be like respected in the field. Right. And I had three people in one week say to me, well, why don't you write a book? Like I've seen your emails I've seen your writing. It's crystal clear. It's really good. You could write in your sleep. Why don't you have a book yet? Because that'll help you stand out. And it had been something that I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll write a book. But that's what you do when you're like 50 or 60 and it's like the end of your career or something. You're like the mega guru of XYZ. And they were like, no, like what you know now can help people a few steps behind you. There's no wait until when to be ready to write a book. And I was like, oh, okay. So I decided to do it and I did it in 30 days. So I wrote self-published and hit number one in a relevant subcategory on Amazon with my book in 30 days. And the book is 346 pages, by the way. So it's not... Before we brush over that point, y'all, yeah. listen, she said 30 days, she wrote 300 something page book. How in the world did you do that? Did you just write all day long? So I was getting up at like four in the morning yeah. and I would take my phone and I would like put it in the other room if I opened up my computer to actually type, because some stuff I did in the beginning with like pen and paper and just kind of scattered. But then for me writing, I'm the fastest by typing. Right. Um, And actually I even tried like audio recording stuff because that's a great tactic. If you feel more comfortable speaking, speak it out, have it transcribed for cheap or free, and then you can just clean it up. But for me, I found 
I'm just really good already writing fast by typing. So that's what I did, the majority of it. Then the other thing that I did to kind of, I got more content in, in a shorter period of time is I, wanted, I reached out to other influencers in the podcasting world. So my book is called Copywriting for Podcasters. There was not a single other book around writing specifically for podcasters. I was like, wow, this is a perfect little overlap of kind of my zones of genius here. And so I reached out to other podcasters and I was like, would you be willing to contribute like a little blurb to your book, to the book, like, a, like your best advice or something? And I started to feel a little bit of resistance from people when I asked them, not necessarily because they didn't want to participate, but because they didn't like writing. And so they were like, oh, well, I'm not a very good writer or like, this will take me a little while. And I realized, wait a second, I'm reaching out to podcasters to ask them to write something? No, no, no. So about halfway through, I realized, here's the recipe. I said, I want 10 minutes of your time. I'm going to ask you like three targeted questions. That's it. I'll repurpose it as a podcast episode. Then I'll transcribe it and clean it up and put it in the book. And they're like, I'm in. So I, so I did that too. And so some of the book is actually transcribed audio content. So that also helps uh, get the page numbers up a little bit. Although that wasn't my goal is to beef up the pages. But yeah, so, but that can be a tactic too, is if you interview other experts, you can transcribe it and literally use word for word some of the portions that really are relevant for that chapter. That's so smart. You know, as a podcast, because I would tell people this all the time, they said, why do you podcast? And I always say, because I hate writing because mm. I can't blog. And I blogged forever. And I was like, oh, this is the only way to put out content. And then, you know, when podcasts, I'm like, oh, I can talk. Sure. Yeah. You know, writing is so difficult. So for people who do struggle with writing, it's still something you can't ignore. And that's what's so hard about it is like, you still have to put words out there. <laughs> yeah. Whether you feel like a writer or not, what are some practical tips you have for people who need to start writing? Because even if, you know, yeah. if you're not a writer there, you do need to have a book out there. If you want to create, you know, yeah. As an authority, can you give us any tips or advice, thoughts? Yeah. Well, around the book, if you feel more comfortable speaking, you know, I, have, um, I have someone in my free Facebook group who recently posted in there, thank you so much for pushing me. I decided to start using quote unquote dead downtime where normally I couldn't get anything done to start on my book. And I was like, how so? And she said she started to grab her phone or a recording device, but I mean, all of our phones now have it. Mm -hmm. And she said, whenever I would walk the dog, it was usually 10 to 15 minutes. I would take my voice recording and I would just talk out a certain topic. And then when I got home, I would send it over to rev.com, rev.com or trint.com, T-R-I-N-T.com. And I think Trent is a little bit better pricing. And there's some things that are free out there too, but I haven't tried them enough to right. recommend them. But Trent for sure is like a 12 or $15 per audio hour. So let's say you talk for an entire hour, you can have a transcribe for like 15 bucks. Like that's a pretty good deal. Wow. Yeah. So she would just talk it out and then have it transcribed. And then now she has something just to massage and edit. And for her, that was far easier than having to sit down and just look at a blank screen. So if you're, if you're not like a natural writer, because to me, even sometimes with my solo podcast episodes that I do, they're just like a, a tip on psychology applied to writing or whatever. I'll actually just write the entire thing out and then I'll perform it and try to make it sound like I'm not reading it. Right. But I'm so comfortable in writing. That's kind right. of my go-to area first. But yeah, if it's not, then just leverage off of 
speaking it out or do interviews. So, I mean, there's nothing to say that you can't put a book out there that has pieces of content from somebody else. Of course, like, you know, tell them, give them a heads up so they know, but that's a great way too. Uh, you can also repurpose things that you've already done. So maybe you already have podcast episodes or Facebook lives or blogs that you've painstakingly written in the past. You can take those, repurpose it, massage it, move it around, make it a little bit different. So it's like, in a fresh and unique presentation, put it together and there you go, you've got a book. But I would just say there really is such a magic around books. After I wrote mine, new opportunities just started opening up and people started acting differently. Like I was like more of an authority and I'm like, I'm not any different than I was yesterday before I uploaded this file to Amazon. But like, there's just this magical perception around it. So I think that it's a great thing to take advantage of. And it's yet another way to help your audience. Because sometimes too, like maybe we have products and services that are hundreds or thousands of dollars and people maybe can't afford that yet, but they could afford a $1 Kindle or like $15 book that comes to their house. So it's just another way to serve your audience and also benefits you and your brand too. Now you self-published. Yes. Hit like you number one on what category was it? So podcasts and webcasts. So cool. That's so cool. I know we have just a few minutes left, and this is probably like the biggest question ever. But oh no, for sure. Walk me through like you know some people self publish and really struggle. It's <laughs> self publish and hit you know ranking on Amazon. So is what are the different factors there? Like what are what are the two dif- doing different? Yeah. So ultimately, I would also say even if you don't rank anywhere, you're a published author. Like take that to the bank. Now you've got a book and you can use that to get more speaking gigs, get more podcast interviews, help your audience. So like even if you never break any certain number in any category, it doesn't really matter. Like you're still doing great stuff. So don't let that slow you down. But if you want to hit a high number in a relevant category, then the key factors are one is researching your categories because with Amazon, they actually have like thousands of categories. It's not just like books. So I didn't hit number one and I didn't beat like Tim Ferriss and Oprah and Gary Vaynerchuk, but I beat the people who are in the category around other podcasting and webcasting kind of related books. So do your research on the categories because everyone who writes a book, let's say there's 10 categories that you're relevant to fit into Uh because there's so many different categories. Well, of those 10, which ones are least competitive compared to the others? Put yourself in those categories, which you can do. And then that means you just need to have fewer sales to hit number one compared to the other ones. Uh, Also, the cool thing about Amazon is they update their rankings every hour. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad I got you. That was a good reaction. (laughs) Yeah, that's something I didn't know either because like when you think of New York Times, Wall Street Journal, these things are lists that are aggregated over a month or weekly and they're pulling data from physical bookstores around the US, which are not public. Like you're not sure, you don't, 100% know which ones they are. But Amazon, they've got all their data right there at their fingertips or like all online, right? So they want to give the most relevant up-to-date information as they possibly can. So in principle, you just need to sell more books in one hour than anyone else and you can hit number one. (laughs) It's maybe a little more complicated than that, but the number one factor is sales in a concentrated period of time. What I love to teach my clients is number one is to put a short deadline on yourself, which is a tip that you gave in a fidget Friday recent, a couple of weeks ago. And that's so important. So give yourself a short deadline. Doesn't have to be 30 days, but I would say, I mean, I would say don't make it any more than four months. There's people out there who be like, 
to write a good book, you need to write for a whole year. Like, no, you don't. Come on. Like, it's already in your head. You already know this stuff. Let's go. So I'd say no longer than four months because if it's more than four months or even three months, it can feel like, oh, I'll do that later. And then you'll just put it off and you'll cram it all at the end anyway. So you might as well just pick a shorter deadline. Now, once you pick this deadline, you also need to share it publicly. There you because go. Because you will give you up on yourself way faster than you will on public. And this happened because I have two books as we're recording this and both of them I did in 30 days and both of them partway through, I was like, what am I freaking thinking? I'm insane. I should never have done this. I need to push it back. But I felt like I just couldn't because I had already said this date so many times that I was like, I need to figure it out. I need to find a way. And I did. So those are really, really important. And then also part of sharing this date over and over again is what I call attraction-based marketing. So what we want to do is concentrate as many sales as we possibly can into one day so that you're boom, going to take advantage of that algorithm on Amazon to rank you really high because they're looking at like a tight time frame, And it also helps you with your schedule. So you're not promoting this until the end of time. You're like, let's just go this one day really hard. And I like to encourage people to do attraction-based marketing because even if you don't have a big budget or even if you don't have a giant email list, you can get out there and share your journey as you go. So share the cover of the book and have people vote. You'll get such incredible feedback. Actually, of all posts I've ever made on social media, my number one post with comments and engagement is always when I'm having people vote on a visual A or B, one or two type of thing. And usually it's the books. They just like absolutely go crazy to give you feedback on it. So people are going to now feel a part of the journey because they're like, I voted for A and A is up there. Like I support her. This is cool. So you want to get feedback on your title and your subtitle and your artwork and everything. And people are going to feel part of the journey so that when you are finally live, they're much more likely to go and buy it. And then the last tip I would give you to get this like all to really come together is... I encourage my clients to start with their Kindle book launch first. We can always do paperback, but it's different formatting and it's going to be a little higher price. So let's just put that off for a couple weeks. Give yourself a break, but start with the Kindle launch first because you can price it as low as 99 cents and still be in the bestseller category. And I personally don't have any problem asking people to spend a dollar to support me if I have any kind of social equity with them. But if it's like 15, 20 bucks, then I feel really guilty if they don't really care about copywriting for podcasters. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, so kind of all those pushed together is a recipe for success with bestsellers. I need everybody to just hit the Rwan button and <laughs> listen to that whole piece all over again, whether you're launching a book or not, just all those pieces. I yes and amen to setting a strong deadline, that accountability piece done is better than perfect. Yes. Amen. Church right here. Laura, <laughs> I could talk to you probably for another three hours, but I'm not going to, I know we're winding down on time. Where can people connect with you online and what services do you offer? If they're wanting to launch a book or need help with copy, yeah. what do you have going on? Yeah. So my main services right now are all around books. So I've got an accelerator. So, okay. First of all, I've got tons of free stuff. So go to copy that pops.com, sort of the headquarters. I've got blogs and podcast episodes. My show is also copy the pops. I also have a free Facebook group. So copy that pops.com forward slash Facebook is an easy URL to remember. And jump in there. I have people who hit bestseller just from the free stuff that we talk about in there. And I really am just happy to help everybody. If you want to go even faster and get more help with me, one in a group, it's a very small group, a really intensive group and meet other people going through it too, then I do have an accelerator and there's information about that on my website or you can shoot me a message or email or anything. And uh, on social media, my handle is laptop Laura. 
because I don't repair laptops, but I always have my laptop with me no matter where I am in the world. <laughs> I love it. I love your energy. Thank you so much for just providing so much value today. I have one last question for you. Sure. I'm asking this a lot lately. I love this question because <laughs> I think sometimes there feels like such a dissonance between where we're at now and where we want to be. And mm -hmm. I love having people reflect back to where they were just a few years before. So let's yeah. say you were to kind of go back in time and sit with Laura who was in school and had this whole plan about everything that was going to happen with her life. And just, this was not even on her radar and you were to sit and have coffee with her. It's going to be a short coffee. You only had about a minute. Okay. So <laughs> okay. What would you tell Laura back then? I think I would just say, make sure to focus on having fun and not taking everything so seriously. Because life really is just about other people and experiences. So it's all about connecting and spending time with people that are like-minded and that you love and sharing in experiences, which can be simple or dynamic and elaborate and everything in between. So just don't take everything so seriously. It doesn't have to happen tomorrow. Just enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.